Hey Highland, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. My name is Matt Pinson. I am here for one more time or maybe more, I don't know, if we squeeze any more in with David Sessions. We are only, you know, given today. We're not promised any other days, so we're only given this podcast. That's a great point, David. (laughs) And we're here also with one of our newest elders and one of our favorite people, Beth Ann mm-hmm. Beth Ann Fisher. Mm-hmm. Mm, this day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to worry about the future. Mm. I am. I mean, I'm gonna. If I'm <laughs> honest, I'll try not to. Though. All right. We are continuing our conversation uh, about how we have seen uh, God move in our lives. How kind of times we've experienced the undeniable presence or prodding of God to do something for others or when that has happened to us. So we're going to ask Beth Ann to tell us one of those stories today. Mm, okay. Well, I have to say I've listened to some of the other podcasts mm-hmm. on this topic. Yeah. And y'all have emphasized um, leaning into the mess after mm. listening to those stories. And maybe one thing that's a little different about the stories that I have to share today is the fact that each of these messages was for me hmm. quite personally. So that leads me only to conclude that um, I am the mess. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> I mean, what does it say about somebody if they don't see a little bit of messiness in themselves, right? Delusional. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> Clearly the Lord sees some messiness yeah. within myself. So are you ready for a story? Yeah, just, are we going to jump yeah. right in? Do, okay. do, yeah, do the listeners have? need any biographical information of Beth Ann Fisher? Oh, do we, yeah. Have we done that with anybody else? I guess that's true. I assumed everyone knew Beth Ann, but everyone does not know Beth Ann. Beth Ann, before we start, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh. <laughs> um, You're married to Craig. <laughs> That is going to be a topic of these stories, the fact that I'm married to Craig Fisher. We had our 29th anniversary on Sunday, wow. April 23rd. Hard parts in the rearview mirror, right? <laughs> the best is yet to come, yet always. To come. Yeah. Right. He's really good at refocusing on that um, each day. I will say, I'll jump right in okay. because you kind of okay. led me there. Great. Let's do um, it. Craig is good at this. Lamentations is good at reminding Mm. us of the Lord's mercies, Mm -hmm. newness in that way each day, um, and the fact that they don't stop. And the story is about um, Craig's ability to focus on that Mm. in our relationship, Um, the good things, the blessings on um, at the start of each day or in the middle of a day, right? Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of a circumstance that we wish had gone differently, mm-hmm. and it can feel like the day or more is ruined. Right. And he's always been good at the fresh start, um, at the reframe, at um, encouraging us to con- continue to put one foot in front of the other, even if it means we're going to get going in an entirely different direction right now. Sure. Okay, so the vision I'm about to share, um, and I do consider it a vision, came at one of those times. So here's the story. We had gotten away together for the weekend, like we had been talking about. It's so nice to do, Craig and I. Um, Young marrieds still. Riley was not quite a year old, so he came along. We went to Austin for the weekend. So the getaway, I think is an important connection to 
at least my ability to receive a message hmm. from the Lord um, and to communicate with some of our most important people, right? Hmm. Craig and I together to receive a message from each other. <clears throat> so I was 29 at the time <clears throat> and looking back, I really do mark this time in life at, as when I received my faith. Hmm. So having grown up in a fundamental church of Christ, uh, one for which I am grateful beyond mm -hmm. words, mm -hmm. because it gave me um, the strong foundation that made the growth that I'm about to describe possible. But I remember a revivalist period in the late 80s um, as I transitioned out of the shelter of my home church and my family and into the world of Abilene Christian University as an undergraduate. Um, and during this period in my growing up church and in my family both, um, I was deeply concerned with and committed to this idea that I needed to do all the right things. Mm -hmm. That somehow my salvation um, depended on me or at the very least, if I did my life in these certain ways, then I would be creating for myself the easiest, most trouble-free path. That mm -hmm. um, suffering would come along the way, but at a minimum, I had some level of control over this. Or I should, because in doing everything right, I would have control over my life. Now, anybody listening to this with any years on or any maturity whatsoever is snickering as you two are. Um, because you can see the fallacy in this thinking and know what is inevitably coming. Um, my illusions of control were dashed and my life had become more full, right? Married, working, having a child. Um, and the wheels began to shoot off. <laughs> and... Um, you know, I'm convinced now that God allows whatever God needs to allow to convince us as God's children that God is in charge mm -hmm. and in control. And the method that God used to highlight my need for God during this lesson was um, showing me the fruit of my own selfishness. So on this, week, on this weekend getaway... So Craig and I had time to talk about our lives and reconnect in ways um, that we hadn't in a stretch as new parents, new working parents. Um, we were still figuring out how to do life. And now, by the way, we have it all figured out. <laughs> um, but to parent, to do all the things that life required of us, um, and we were learning in that season how to do that as a team rather than individuals um, who were roommates, right? Mm -hmm. So after a long night of talking and very little sleep, I woke up early on that Sunday morning, and on that liminal threshold of sleeping and waking, um, God gave me a vision mm -hmm. so clear that I can still see it in my mind today. Mm -hmm. It was either clarity from the Lord or the memory of a laundry ad. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the vision is just a clean white sheet clipped to a clothesline outside and blowing in the breeze um, under a sunny blue sky 
It was just the ultimate fresh start vision of New Morning Mercies. And I felt God was using it to say, this is you. This is how I see you, how I see the two of you. Um, And I'm asking you to see this in one another because it's reality. This cleanness, this newness that we felt like we needed at that time. Um, And a let's get to it, right? We have more to be about than the two of you or yourselves that you're so consumed with right now. Um, But importantly, from this stage forward, um, I began to see the two of us as fellow children of God. Um, And I'll talk a little bit more about keeping one another off of pedestals here in just a minute. But, um, But literally sitting side by side on the floor at the feet of God, like in a little circle time scenario, but just being able to see um, one another as God's children. Hmm. So that's my first story. And I will say, I've always, I've always been tempted to place my husband and children on a pedestal, um, allowing myself to be more consumed with thoughts of them than I ought to be, kind of idolizing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So during my MDiv time at ACU, I learned of a Methodist teacher, preacher, um, named Phoebe Palmer. Have you heard of her? No. Okay. Well, latter part of the 19th century, New York City. um, And she just, she was writing in journals, not realizing that they would be instructing our hearts, Mm. you know, decades later, Mm -hmm. centuries later, um, about a similar challenge and the importance that she found in continually placing her most important people on the altar, Mm. okay, kind of giving them up in a daily Mm -hmm. way rather than on the throne. Mm. So Ruth Haley Barton in um, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership talks about a similar thing, talks about trusting God with ourselves and entrusting our closest people to God. And she suggests gratuitous use of silence mm. <laughs> rather than following our human impulses to try to fix or control mm. or put people in their place. So I think often in my closest relationships, I find myself kind of at the end of my own self-reliance, sometimes at my very wit's end. And I saw and I've seen um, Often, this is where God does God's best work. Just when we simply open up the space for God to do this. Maybe with fewer words and greater amounts of silence. So that's my first story. I love that story. I feel like, uh, I feel like that time when you're a new parent for the first time, especially for those of us who have grown up in, in church, I can probably for others too, but for those of us who've grown up in church, I remember when Jack was about that age, you know, one, two, you're kind of coming out of the exhaustion of a newborn. Mm -hmm. And it feels like everything in your life is, has led up to, to this, this was the goal to have a family Mm -hmm. and a home and job. And there's always this kind of sense of like, so what now? Mm -hmm. And I remember that was maybe one of the times where I really, one of the first times where I really wanted to seek to find what more was out there Mm -hmm. because you felt like you got to this point and it's like, is this it? 
did we do it? Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and what what now? And so I remember that being a very transformative time in my life. And I think that's important for people to hear when you are coming out of that exhaustion of a newborn, that it's very natural to be like, so mm-hmm. what do we do now? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, and that that's a that's a uh, it's a good opportunity for yeah. to spend some time yeah. listening and figuring out how to have a deeper faith. Yeah, it's like why are these good things so hard? Yeah, like, yeah. This is we all like this is what I've wanted my whole life. This is what everything is kind of yeah. everyone has been preparing me for, and now yeah. we're here, and it's mm-hmm. like we're doing it, and I s- don't feel <laughs> like a different person. I still yeah feel like me i still feel as broken as i did before exactly like, and now there's more eyes watching and it, uh, for for not everybody gets to have this i was blessed to have it where it felt like i think my parents had it figured out and uh and i don't and not everybody gets that luxury to feel like their parents had it figured out yeah <laughs> some parents it's very obvious my kids won't feel that way i'm certain mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah, to feel kind of lost in that time, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think it's good for for those of us who have walked that path to be like, it's so hard. This is this is an interesting time. Yeah, you've got some opportunities here to go a little bit deeper and mm-hmm. find some more things. You're not there yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we got some help during that stretch. We we got a good series of counseling visits which was great mm-hmm. um we dove in with our small group to i think it's blackaby i'm not sure but the experiencing god series mm-hmm. which i've actually heard some young people um find a lot of meaning in right mm-hmm. now um we read a book called um, the three chairs and kind of asked ourselves mm. what was in first chair in our lives which is helpful um that's Wilkinson and um, Boundaries we read. Lots of people have read that. And there's iterations now, Boundaries in this and that, mm-hmm. with kids, with marriage, but we just read straight up. Um, and it helped us realize some things like things that we thought we had a right to mm-hmm. in our growing up lives. Um, really no one has that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's been, that was a big part of the deconstruction conversation too is is owning up to like what i felt like i was owed mm-hmm. by yeah. god yeah yeah uh for being for having lived my life following the rules yeah <laughs> yeah and we're talking about like literally you know the right to go to the grocery store by yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean not glamorous mm-hmm. things yeah. we felt like we had the right to mm-hmm. but just learning how to um make what at the time felt like sacrifices mm-hmm. yeah yeah, our discipleship is not like any other th- part of our formative experiences where everything has an end date. You know, you get done with middle school and then you go to high school and you're working really h- hard all throughout high school to go do something else because high school has an end date. And then you're working really hard at that next thing, whatever that next thing is, because that has an end date. And then you get to young adulthood and you're like, well, <laughs> now there's no end date yeah, to anything. What's next? There's no Dying? end date. You can just, <laughs> no, it's just constant work. It's yeah. just constant work on yourself. And constant resubmitting to powers bigger than yourself, and uh, the the I think the people who survive are the humble. 
<laughs> no kidding. You know, and that yeah. sounds kind of like I think what your what your vision is is God's kind of graciousness, gracious push towards humility. Mm-hmm. Is uh, I'm going to make you clean. Uh, live into that, uh, but but it's not anything that you had to do. It's just you know, waking up being okay. There's newness. There's newness every day. Uh, Humility and newness, starting over. Humility and starting over don't go hand in hand. We want to keep building on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God, relying on God's new morning mercies is a spiritual practice and killing your ego. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's just such like a, a gracious way of God to do that for you. Sure enough. And it's just God's way of saying, it's me that's doing the work, yeah. not you. Right. Which is the only way it's good news. Right. Other than that, it's like, welcome, welcome <laughs> to this morning. Yeah. You got to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And God says, no, actually, I'm going to do it again. Right. Why don't you just hang out and watch, see what right. happens. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What happened next? Okay. So this one came at a time when I was working here at Highland. And I was doing the math on the timing, and it was 10 years ago. All right. Sounds about right. You were here. I was here. That was a fun time. Um, So my job was to assist in planning and putting logistics in place for worship every week. And during this stretch of life, our boys were going out to Camp New Beginnings, or as some of us affectionately called it at the time, Camp Dable Inn. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll rewind a little bit further, though. When we moved here in 2007, our boys were in preschool and second grade, and Dable Inn Sullivan told me that we needed to send them out to East Texas for a week in the summer to camp. And we're big summer campers, but this seemed far away and a long time for our boys at that age. So I asked her if there were any jobs that I could do, and uh, if you know camps, you know this is the magic question to the director's ears, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, there's lots of jobs, <laughs> one or two. <laughs> Just, you know. So that settled it, and I came and worked at the camp, and the boys both went until they each aged out the summer before their sixth grade year. And truly, It became one of those big rocks in my annual spiritual rhythm, a Mm -hmm. time when I knew I'd grow closer to the Lord Mm -hmm. and to some other people. Um, It was one of those situations in which the teachers learn way more than the students, um, preparing and sharing Bible stories that are supposed to be for the kids, you know. Um, God used this time and the weeks leading up to it every year significantly in my life. Um, for those years in a way that I looked forward to every time. But so several months after camp, one particular year um, while I was working at Highland again, that was important. I had another one of those early Sunday morning dreams. And this time I woke up and I told Craig about this really weird dream that I had just had. And after I explained it to him, he said, I think you might want to spend some time with that one. Hmm. Sounds like a little bit more than just a strange, weird dream. So in the dream, I was at camp. Um, Camp for counselors of elementary age students um, contained long days full of activities that switch every 20, 30 minutes. And so there's not a lot of extra time 
Um, nearly every kiddo that comes to camp in the summer has one goal, and that's to get in the pool. And the retreat center that housed our camp at the time, um, we had a super deluxe swim time. There was a lagoon, <laughs> a spring-fed lagoon full of ropes course elements, a trapeze, a zip line, a huge slide made out of tarps that you had to climb a tower to get to the top and go down. Wow. The water was a funny color, um, but there were things living in it. <laughs> so whatever confidence that gives you or concerns <laughs> are both valid. Um, and then there was the pool, which was so much fun too. Um, so of course in true Christian camp form, boy groups, girl groups, switch locations at opposite times. So everybody got to do both of those things every day at camp. Um, and on the days that we got to be in the pool, the last that equaled shower time for the kids, right? <laughs> so in my dream, it had been a lagoon last kind of a day. Yeah. And all of us you know, go through the rest of the day as, as, as is. So my fellow counselors and I later that night around 10 o'clock had gotten our campers to bed and it was finally time for a shower <laughs> and not just any shower, but like the shower of a lifetime, a much needed long, it's been a hot day at camp kind of shower. And you were in the lagoon six hours ago. So I took it and after the shower, I was leaning into the bathroom mirror and I had my towel and I was drying out my, my right ear looking in the mirror. And I noticed that there was this tuft of moss, of green, fluffy moss growing out of my right ear. <laughs> and I turned and I cleaned out my left ear with the towel and same thing, moss growing, stuffed up ears. And that was it, dream over. And as I shared this with Craig, I realized, um, honestly, what I needed to hear pretty quickly. And it was that I had lost space and time to hear from the Lord myself. Mm. And God was calling me back to this, saying, I've got some things you need to hear, mm. but you need to clean out your ears and make some space <laughs> for me. And this is a really important lesson at a really critical time because it was right before I went back to seminary. I was working at a church, right? But everything I was doing was mining for what might be meaningful for other people. Mm. And I had become spiritually dry as a bone. Mm -hmm. um, personally, just dying on the vine. So God called me back to intimacy with my Lord in an undeniable way, saying it kindly, like we said a while ago, in a language that I'd understood the best, summer camp and the lagoon. He's mm. telling me, clean out your ears. Um, but like I said, both messages, both of these were very much personal for me. Yeah. So I'm the messy people. That is a tricky thing about working at a church yeah. that I've found for a long time. It, it is hard. It's hard to go to church when you work at church. Mm. And uh, um, even when I go to like church with my parents and I don't have any responsibilities at the church that day, mm. I'm a visitor and I'm just there. I still find myself looking around going, I wonder what kind of, I wonder what kind of uh, 
cameras they're running over there. I yeah. wonder what kind of projector that Why'd is. Why'd they choose that light filter? Yeah. yeah. This is, uh, how many volunteers do they have working <laughs> these cameras? I wonder what their budget is. Yeah. And so it's, it's hard to go to church. Um, and that's, that's, that's tricky. Yeah. It's important, I think, for us to find places where we can, where we can do church. Yeah. yeah. This okay. podcast has kind of been my Bible class. Mm. for the last there's a lot of bible in it so that's good <laughs> uh I'm, I'm curious what you did with that uh you know that and, and you said it was a very gracious kind of nudging uh it, you know it, talk more about how it was gracious and then what you did with that well <clears throat> my prayer um for the people that i live my life closest to and myself is always that we would have soft hearts and open ears. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm thankful, and just also to unpack that a little further, just that God would speak to us in the ways that we hear God the mm-hmm. best. And I mean, I think Jesus' teachings are a, a good concrete example that Jesus uses what's in our lives to talk to us yep. about um, our lives. Yeah. And at that time, camp was really big in my life. And it honestly still is. It's just kind of morphed into some yeah. different ways. But So God used that language, knew, knowing that I would receive it. Um, the whole part about Craig knowing you need to pay attention to that, because I really yeah. did wake up going, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, tell you, that was you interesting, know, yeah. Um, but just from there, it just created a space. Um, and I think maybe in life up until that point, I looked at time with the Lord outside of the regular day as a luxury. Mm. Boy, it sure is nice to have. And boy, things go better for me when I have yeah. it. Yeah. And that was a hard shift. Like, this is a non-negotiable. Mm. And I'm about to show you. Um, how useless life is when you, once again, like the first story, when you try to do it on your own. Yeah. And so maybe it was same song, second verse, like you've, you've kind of gotten, you've grown along this path, but we need to, yeah. we need to really commit to this. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, you were hearing it uh, as a more mature disciple right. and it, it meant something different to you. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to say that I think, you know, you said Bible, so a little Bible. There's a verse that has changed in meaning for me. It's 1 Peter 3.15, and it talks about always being ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Hmm. Um, We talked a little bit earlier about growing up in families that um, led us in important and, and healthy ways, but I think in mine gave off the notion that there's not ever been a lot of challenges mm. and we haven't really shared what those might have been um, if they've existed. And I think some of these kinds of stories where we feel like God is saying to us, you're a little off track, mm. you know, time to recalibrate um, are important to share because truly these are the stories that have given me hope that God really is close and that's a comfort yeah. 
and isn't going to let me get too far off track without getting my attention in a really kind way. Because yeah. um, I used to think that verse, especially as a teacher, meant you got to have your doctrinal ducks in a row right. and be ready to make an apology for every... to give that hard sell right. whenever the opportunity arises. Right, and the hard sell is, I'm the mess, yeah. but guess what? God <laughs> chose to kindly speak to that and is bringing me along. Yeah. So it wasn't about if you're a premillennialist or a postmillennialist <laughs> and how you want to define that, but... Uh, if somebody who has no hope says, why are you hopeful? Right. You would be able to share your story, which is like yeah. what this stretch of the podcast has actually been trying, mm-hmm. I think, to do, which mm-hmm. is the good news of Jesus is not just contained in the Gospels, but that God continues acting in our world and that our faith is alive and that we just do a bad job of asking people, where, when have you experienced God? When has God been active? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and you've given us really great stories about, yeah, this is why you have hope, because God is, God is close. Yeah. And I've, I've experienced God yeah. on multiple occasions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, too, it's important to notice that both of those times, I mean, they were technically at nighttime or early morning time, <laughs> but... Um, the clearest words from the Lord in my life have been in one form or another during a time of rest. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Checks out. It's, it's hard to hear things when we're frenetically busy yeah. and, and focused on our own agendas. Yeah. I mean, it's even hard to hear from our loved ones, right? When you're preoccupied with something, let yeah. alone a God that might be speaking to you in mysterious ways. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through laundry commercials and glossy <laughs> ears. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bethann, we are grateful for uh, your willingness to be a leader at our church. Mm-hmm. Um, we're grateful uh, for your sweet, sweet spirit that has been here for since whenever you were, have been here for. <laughs> since 2007-ish. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Well uh, said. Well, well said. said. Very, very... Uh, <laughs> I can't even think of what the word is that means you talked good. Um, <laughs> eloquent? Eloquent. Very eloquent. You got it. Thank you. We're better together. Uh, we're grateful for your sweet spirit and your smile and your leadership and all the ways that you have been precious to our church. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bethann uh, reminds me that kindness is strong leadership. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you. The Lord's kindness. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the kind. Yeah. Yep. But strong leaders don't have to be cold. Okay. So thank you for that. Yeah. For sure. All right. <laughs>